talk. <laughs> huh? Eat, yes, they like to eat. Yeah, barbecue's good. What else do they like to do? They like to go to car shows. Drag races. Do they like to build things? Most guys do. Most guys at an early marital age, which I mean like probably the first Christmas that they have with their spouse, uh, always have to build stuff, especially when the children start showing up. You're up till 1, 2, 3 in the morning building stuff, and the directions are horrible. And I remember one time I had to build, I built for, for Leah, I built a big wheel. And they didn't tell you in the instructions that once you put the caps on the front, you can't take them off. And you got to put that in an order because then you can't put the, the steering wheel on because it has to go between the... Yeah, I did that. Luckily, my dad has a bunch of tools that I'd been able to inherit, but before that, I had my own kind of tools, and I had to grab some vice grips and a hammer, and it took me an hour and a half to get those two little pegs out from a toy that they were getting in about an hour and a half when they woke up. <laughs> and she better like that toy. <laughs> yeah, but she actually rode to school on it. But anyway, that's all different. Sorry but. <laughs> But we like to build stuff. And here in this section of Scripture, we're now changing in, in the next, until we finish Exodus. We talked about divine redemption, the beginning of the book, how God redeemed his people. There was a whole section of Scripture in, in uh, Exodus about that. And then we just finished last week um, divine, um, I, just, I just went blank. Anyway, it was, now we're in divine redemption. Divine, divine redemption, then we went into uh, divine something, I'll get it in a minute, but then now we're into divine worship, divine, oh, divine, oh, there, there it is, it was divine law, it was the law of God given to his people, and it was the commitment and the covenant that we ended up with last week about giving that, giving that connection with them and him, be, him being their God and them being his people. We talked about how close do you want to get to God, remember that was last week. Well, now we're going to switch gears now, and we're going to get into divine worship. Now that we have a connection with God, okay, all you Christians here this morning, now that you have a divine connection with God through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, your sin has been taken care of, God has made a covenant with you to forever be with Him, now it's time to worship. Now it's time to give Him His due. Because now you're clean. Now you can enter into the Holy of Holies. Now you can enter into being with God and Him with you. And so in this section of Scripture, uh, starting in verse 1 of, of chapter 25, we're going to just go through 1 through 9, we're going to talk about the tabernacle of God. And it's going to go on for quite a few sections, all the way to ch chapter 31, verse 18. But we're going to take this first section and talk about the tabernacle of God. How he instructed Moses and the people to build the tabernacle that was going to walk around with them for the next 30-some-odd years. So it had to be mobile. And then we're going to talk about, after that, in a while, uh, we're going to talk about the golden calf, how man decided to build his own God. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then finally, we'll talk about the building and the completion of the temple uh, at the very end of their journey. Every man's need, every man, every human, let me just put it that way, every human need is to have a place where they can meet with God. I don't know why that is. 
but we're built that way. We're built to be able to go to a place that we know God is there. You know, why do we have, if you look around the world, you know, you'll, as an architect, I do this all the time. When we look at different places around the world and we look at temp- places of worship, temples, mosques, you know, all this other kind of stuff that's out there. When we look at those synagogues and things that were built, they all are a reflection of a place where God's presence is. I don't know if you go to Israel today. They actually have a temple on the place where the tomb of Jesus was. On top of the tomb, they built the temple. You know, where Solomon's temple used to be. There's two, t- there's two things going on. Not only is there the Dome of the Rock for the Muslims, but there's also the Wailing Wall there, which is the foundation of the temple. And it says that one day in the book of Revelation, it says the temple will be rebuilt. That's when we know that it's time, it's time to go when that happens, okay? Watch, watch for that. And they've had plans to rebuild the temple for many, many years. Many years. I've actually seen the plans. Yeah, they're already drawn, they're done, they're ready to go. All they got to do is work around that dome. <laughs> they got everything. They got everything they need. They're just, they're just waiting. So time is near for that. But then we look at these places, and they, they give us, you a sense of awe. I've been to some of the greatest cathedrals in America. I've been to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. It is amazing how beautiful that place is. Gothic architecture. Romanesque architecture, all these different words that we use to, to figure out epochs of time when, when man would create these, these places like the church at Notre Dame, you know, that are just amazing feats of engineering and architecture, but for the glory of God, for the worship of God. Some of the greatest artists in the world, history, painted murals in places of worship, right? The Sistine Chapel. You know, where you have Michelangelo and the dome inside with the finger of God reaching out to the finger of man. You know, we have great works of art because they inspire us. These places where we can meet with God. We need his presence. and We need a place. But here's the thing. God created a temple. Not built by hands, but built by his spirit. And guess where he put it? In your heart. Put up the temple real quick. The little, little. This is this is the traveling temple that they had. It's going to be a picture up here. It's probably hard to see, but you can kind of get an idea. There's a little priest outside. Give you a kind of a scale. But then there's a veil that goes across there, and then you enter into the veil, and there's some things we're going to talk about as we read the story here. But at the very end there, past the second veil, is the Ark of the Covenant, which is the place of holy of holies. And there's a process as the priest would go through, the process that he had to get to to get to that holy of holy place. Cool thing is, God has created a holy of holies. He's created an Ark of the Covenant. He's created a covenant with you in your heart. But there is a process that we have to go through to walk into the presence of God. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So let's take a look at chapter 25 starting in verse 1, and we'll read through 9. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, where's Moses from last week? Where do we know he is? He's up on the mountain with God. It's thundering, it's smoking, all the people are seeing that, and he's up there for 40 days. You're wondering what, what he did for 40 days? This is what he did. 
God began to show him what he needed to build this and to lead the people into worshiping him because they hadn't done that before. You understand that the people of God didn't know how to worship their God? They only knew how to worship the gods of Egypt because that's where they were for 400 years. We don't think, we think, oh, no, they always worship God. No, they didn't. They didn't have Passover before Passover happened, a day before they left. So for 400 years, all they knew of were the gods of Egypt. Israel had died. The, uh, his, his, his children were the only ones left behind. And the only thing that they knew about any ancient kind of stuff was from their father, Israel, finally going back to Isaac and going back to Abraham. And all Abraham did was made a covenant with God with a bull and fire and made an altar, and that was it. That's all they knew about their connection with God. There were none of these rules. There was none of this stuff on how to worship God. None, he believed in the unknown God, so that was their heritage. Well, we don't believe in all these graven images and stuff. We're not supposed to be doing that. But there was no Ten Commandments yet. Do you get that? They didn't know that you're not supposed to bow down to a graven image. They didn't know that. All they knew is that their great-great-grandfather believed in an unknown God and didn't follow the gods of the land. That's the only thing they knew about. This tabernacle is a place, and we see three things in, in this section, so let's continue reading. Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise my contribution. And this is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, rams skins dyed red, purpose, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for the lighting of spices, for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, setting stones for the ephod, for the, for the breastplate or breastpiece. And let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. So he starts off, and he's going to tell us these different things. He's going to go into the next section of Scripture about the Ark of the Covenant, about the table of showbread, about the golden lampstands and stuff, which you can kind of see here if we go back to the picture of the tabernacle. But who is, I love this part, who is the architect? God. He said, I will show you how to build this. Now, we've all seen the Cecil B. DeMille thing when the, the finger of God comes out of the, the whirling dervish that's up there, you know, the big, the big storm that's happening with all the cloud and the thunder, and all of a sudden a big lightning fire thing comes up, and then the music starts playing. Dun, 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 and then the first law is there. Okay? I think he was also doing that with plans. Because he said, I will show you. How did he show him the Ten Commandments? You know, that would be cool. The first actual drawing of the temple by the hand of God. Huh? How about that for architecture? <laughs> I like that. And there was no mistakes. You know, I have to use an eraser all the time. You know, there's no erasers with God. He, just, he does it right the first time. So here he's the architect. 
before any building can be destructed, someone who designs it, makes the plans for it, and check this out. As an architect, you got to be able to see in 3D. Luckily, God sees in 4D and 5D and 13D. I don't, we don't even know the depths of the dimensions of God. But he not only sees space, but he also sees time, backward and forward. You understand, and I told you earlier, that God is creating a temple in you. Here's the deal. Everything I'm telling, talking to you about this temporary temple, he has made permanent in you. It's permanent in you. God is the architect of your temple. Now, will your temple look like all the other temples? No. My temple looks different than yours. It still has the same essence. It still has the elements that we saw in the picture in there. It still has a holy of holies where I'm supposed to meet with God and talk with God and the presence of God comes down. It still has all those elements. Yours too. The inside of your temple will always look very similar to everyone else. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Lord. There's only one Spirit. There's only one God, right? So all those elements are the same. And we shall worship the Lord our God with what? Spirit and truth. Truth, the Word of God, the Logos. Jesus is the truth. And in the Spirit, which connects us, where Jesus said, I will send you my Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. Okay? So we have those things. Those are the elements of inside the temple. Look around. You're not looking around. Look at all the different temples that are around you. On the outside, it's all different. It's all different. You know, some of you do have goat's hair. I don't know what that, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's a bad joke. Yeah, that's, one too. that's why the, t- the temple is so important. We desperately need to have the presence of God in our lives. And he knew what kind of building that he needed. That's why some of you worship differently. And that's okay. You know, we've never been a church to tell you, no, 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 the only way to worship is this way. There's some churches that do that. You, there's some churches where they don't allow you to lift your hands. They'll, they'll elder you if you do that. You know, they'll take you out back, slap that hand down. Yeah, take you in the back room. You know, some believe that you have to worship by lifting your hands. You know, they got people with little little sticks that come up underneath you. Like, 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 yeah, Aaron and her, you know. Yeah. There, I mean, we don't do that here. You worship the way you want to worship. Some of you worship quietly. Some of you are like Milli Manili because you don't know the words. You think I don't know. You think I don't know. You're like, you look, you look like a Chinese movie. Yeah, it's dubbing in it, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, where's that, where's that disclaimer? I need a disclaimer. Some of us, though, really go out there and worship. I mean, we, we had some, a couple here one time, you know, they had tambourines and stuff like that. That was awesome. That's good. However you express, as long as it's true. As long as it's true. Jesus said, worshipers, my kind of worshipers, he said, will worship me in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Now, if you're sitting there and the music's playing and you don't know the words or whatever, and you're thinking about your bank account, you're not worshiping. Even if you lift up your hands, you're standing up now clapping, whatever, you're thinking about tomorrow, you're not worshiping. I'm sorry. Worship is connected and focused on God and God himself. And truly, 
having that focus as if no one else is in the room. That's worship. We worship before an audience of one. So, the architect is God, and he's building in you a place of worship. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, verses 16 and 17, it says this, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that the Spirit, that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Now, we have our individual temples, and then we have a community temple. You understand that? There's your individual temple, and then there's the community temple, which we are now in together. And in that community temple, there's all kinds of different, differentness. When we find out later, when we have Solomon's temple built, the nations are invited to come to the temple. Now, there's certain sections of that. We won't get into that today, but there's certain sections of it where there's an outer temple, and there's a, the, where the altar is, and then there's the Holy of Holies, and only certain types of people can get into certain places in the temple. And that had to do with, with uh, the, 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 is the, it, the Jewish people and, and the covenant that they've made with God versus those who did not make a covenant with God. But Jesus abolished all that. You understand that? When the veil of the temple was torn, he made access to God through him for all people. That's why we can look around the room. We have all kinds of different nationalities and, and economic status and all that kind of stuff, which is the temple of God, the true temple that we will see in the book of Revelation, that we will experience for all eternity. All are welcome as long as they have received Jesus Christ. All are welcome because he paid the price for us to be there. Now, the second thing we find out here is that he says that, verse 2, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. Who's supposed to give? A willing heart. Thank you. Great way to put it. Who, whose ever heart is moved. We're going to find out whose hearts weren't moved when we get to the golden calf. But whosever heart was moved, they were to give. They were to give. And they were supposed to give gold, silver, bronze, uh, you know, linens. They're in the middle of the desert. There's no Walmart there. There's no Tiffany's. There's no, and there's no banks. There's nothing for them to go get this stuff. Where did they get it? They didn't go back to Egypt to get it. Isn't God smart? Yeah. He told them, okay, on the night of the Passover, that next, after the Passover, the next day, you're going to go around house to house to the Egyptians, and you're just going to take their stuff. And they're going to give it to you willingly and say, get out. Isn't that awesome? God prepped his own offering. Hello? Clue phone. God prepped his own offering. Do you understand that every Sunday when you come to church and you give an offering, God has prepped his own offering. For some of you, he's given you extra money. For some of you, he's put you in charge of some savings. Whatever the case may be, he has prepped your offering. Are you giving it to him? Is your heart moved? 
If your heart's not moved, there's something wrong with you. Don't shout me down. You cannot keep it for yourself. It doesn't belong to you. God prepped it for you. It's like they had all this stuff from Egypt, gold, silver, linens, all that stuff that he's asking for. They got from the Egyptians. It wasn't theirs. Now, I know some people say, well, wait a minute. They were slaves for 400 years and never got paid. All they got was room and board, right? All they got was their food, and they got a place to live. That's it. So they earned that. That's 400 years of slavery. They earned that. No, they didn't. They didn't earn anything. If they were supposed to have a wage, they would have had a wage. They suffered because of their disobedience. They didn't earn that. You guys don't believe me. What God told them to take, to sack Egypt, belonged to him. It was all his. And he said, just the ones whose hearts moved them, bring that to me. I don't know if that was 10% of the people. We don't get into that yet. But all I know is there was enough there to build the tabernacle that they needed and to build it the way God, the architect, designed it. There's always enough. I'm just doing a, I'm doing a house over in Chino Hills right now where the guy and his wife decided, oh, we want to expand some bedrooms for our kids. We've got four kids. We want to expand their bedrooms, make them nice size. They have a great piece of land, you know. There's a little house on the top with a pool and down, down below, and they want to have a master suite so they can have their master bedroom, and then that's phase one. And phase two, they're going to blow out, you know, some living area, and they're going to redo their kitchen and all that. So, so I did the first phase, and apparently they didn't count the cost because it came in higher than they thought. So the kids, no bedroom except, yeah. <laughs> Back to the garage for you guys, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was and, and, and now still, it's still kind of right a little bit more than they're thinking, so they're figuring out, okay, well, what do we got to do here? God provided enough. He will always provide enough. I know some of you are fearful. I used to be like this, okay? I'm not going to put it on you, but I know the fears out there. If I give God 10% of my income, I will go broke. Let me just tell you this. If you don't, you'll go broke because you won't have God's blessing on your finances. All I know is every time I've done it, every time I've done 10% and more, God blesses me with more. I can't stop his blessing. Next thing you know, I'm having clients call me up with big projects. Next thing I know, there's an overflow of money coming in. All I got to do is manage it right. And when that overflow comes in, God tells me to do what? Take what I've given you, let your heart be moved, and give. And give again. Give again. Well, if I give again, then I won't have the overflow. No, no, no. You understand. If you give again, I will give again. And you'll have more overflow. Isn't that great? Some of you aren't amen because you don't believe it. That's, that's the economy of the kingdom. And so here he's asking Israel, I gave you the stuff, I want you to give some of it back to me. Would you be, I don't want you to raise your hand, just think. Would you be the one that said, no. I got this beautiful statue of ISIS. Probably not the right term to use right now. Let's try. Let's just do something else. Uh, Osiris. 
I have. <laughs> that was a female and then Osiris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I died the brother. Get it? Osiris. I'm going to keep that. It's all pure gold. That thing is worth like thousands of dollars. Many shekels, yes. Many shekels at Walmart. Okay? I'm holding on to this baby. It's not yours. God needs it because he's going to melt it down and turn it into an item of worship. Turn it into an item that will be used for ages to come. For his glory. For blessing. Not only to bless him so that he can then bless you. It's a different way of looking at it, right? So I got to let go so I can get from God. That's the way the kingdom is. You guys all know that. What did Jesus say? You want to save your life? Do what? Lose it. Is there a duck in here? <laughs> wow, Daffy showed up. <laughs> You want to save your life, you have to lose it. You want to get, what do you have to do? Give. You know, do you guys want love? Do you want love? You want unconditional love? Yeah? Then you got to give it first. You can't sit around on the park bench waiting for unconditional love to show up. And you're being all crabby and stuff. You expect people to love you. You're a crab. People come up to you and start, you know, loving you and your eyeballs are like, and you, they want to pet, they they pet you. What do you do? <laughs> Done. Into the bowl with you. Yeah, these are SpongeBob sermons. You, you want to be crabby? You'll get crabby. You wonder why people roll their eyes at you. Okay. You want you gotta you gotta give what you want to get. That's the kingdom. So now he's talking about the money that was supposed to be supplied by the people. God had seen and always does, like he does today, the needs of his people, and he will meet them. And he will make sure that you're able to meet his. He will make sure. The point here is that God had already provided for his people, like I said earlier. And then it was time for them to provide. Psalm 50, 10 to 12 says this. God spoke these words to David and to Israel. For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills is mine. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. I love that. What's God saying? I don't need your stuff because it's all mine. I don't need your, it's mine. I can go into any room of my house. My house. Okay, well, it's going to be my house. <laughs> our, our house. It's a very, very fine house. So I, in our house, I go to any room and use whatever I need. <laughs> if she says so. I was using a brush one time. She goes, what are you doing? Uh, brushing my hair. She goes, you don't have any. Put that down. 
No, but, but you know, because it's my house. Of course, we bought all that stuff. We bought it together. It's for our use. Okay? But to have someone come into my house and say, okay, I'm going to take this. What do, they, what do they call those people? Burglars, thieves, robbers, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Madeline is on a roll today. In Haggai, in Haggai 2, verse 8, it says this. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. I would encourage you to do something today. It's going to be very hard, very difficult, and you don't want to do it. I would encourage you to get wherever your finances are, your checkbook, if that represents your finances, register, your budget, whatever represents your finances and all that's there. Maybe you go on, you go on your website where your, your bank is and you, you pull up your accounts. And you look at that. And you say, God, that's yours. What do you want me to do with that? How many of you would be scared to do that? Truthfully, yeah. You know why you're scared? I'll tell you why you're scared. You know why you're scared? <laughs> Do you know why you're scared? Because you think it's yours. You have the audacity to think it's yours. What did I just read? I just read two scriptures that say it's not yours. Everything on this planet does not belong to you. Everything in your planet, your house, your control, isn't under your control. I just saw, we, Cindy and I just saw the movie a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, 2012. You know that? I think it was called 2012. We just finally saw it. Yeah, we're a little late. <laughs> but it's, ab it's, about, it's about how the world shifted access and there's, all this, you know, earthquakes in California and volcanoes coming up in Las Vegas, which was pretty apropos. Anyway, but all this stuff happens, right? And it's all destruction and it's all about this family trying to get out and save the world, whatever. But anyway, the point is, that could happen in a moment. A bomb can go off in your life in a moment. A life change in a moment. And many of us have had those things happen, an accident, uh, uh, getting fired, you know, a death in the family, whatever, something unexpected, and the bomb goes off. You can't control that. You can't control it at all. I so am grateful to God that he already knows my tomorrow. And he's prepping me today for my tomorrow. I really, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I can say as Job, even though the Lord slay me, I will trust in him. That's one of my life verses. Not that I think God's a bad God, that he's walking around just waiting to stab me in the heart. But it doesn't matter. My heart's his. He can have it. He, he can't do anything to me because he, I already know he loves me. I know he wants all of eternity for me. Trust me, I would trade you guys in right now for eternity in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, see how I am? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And so would you. So would you. There is nothing on this planet that even comes close to what's waiting for me in heaven. Not even close. Trust me. None of us, when we get there, want to come back. There's a reason for that. Because it's so good. Man, the wedding feast of the Lamb alone is going to be a monster. Everything you want to eat, anything you want to eat, no calories, no gluten, none of that stuff in there. It's awesome. And you can eat as much as you want and you stay svelte. That's two big words today. Everything in a creation be, be, belongs to God and how. I get very practical in my life, as you can tell. And I'm very pas passionate about practicalness. I really am. Maybe that's the dad in me. Maybe that's my, in, uh, my architectural background. I don't know. But it's, I, I try to really hone it down and make it simple. Really simple when it comes to my walk with God. And it may offend some of you. I understand that. But let me, let me throw this out there. If everything in my life belongs to him, who in the heck am I to keep what he wants? What is wrong with me that I would keep what he wants? That's what I just said. It's, it, it belong, I'm, I'm just managing it for my job. My job is to take either the one talent, the five talents, or the ten talents, or whatever. My job is to take those talents and increase it for him. That's my job. So whatever I have, which doesn't belong to me anyway, it belongs to God, I need to increase it for his kingdom. If I don't, if I sit on it, if I bury it under a tree, if I don't use it, if I don't do anything with it, I am a bad servant. And then it goes back to Malachi. Shall you rob God? You're robbing me. It's my stuff, and you're robbing me of my stuff, is what he told Malachi. I'm not trying to beat down the sheep. I'm just trying to get you to understand how God looks at it. And it's contrary to the way we look at our finances, the way we look at things. And he's exactly telling the people, don't hold on to the things of Egypt. Don't hold on. I gave you that stuff so we can build something that is amazing for me. So that you have a place where my presence will come and fill the temple. And Moses will come in and out and speak with me face to face as a friend speaks to his friend. I need that place, God says, and I need it to be in the center of your congregation because the temple was in the center and all the tribes were around it. So they could all see the presence of God when he would meet with Moses. How amazing is that? Well, they start, he asked God to bring them what they needed. He doesn't coerce them. He just asks, if your heart moves, then bring it. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says the same thing. Paul says, every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I wish I could give God more. I do something, and this is not to pat myself on the back or anything. I just want to give you a pattern. 
I love patterns, too, obviously, as an architect. I've noticed that every year I increase my giving, God increases my salary. Not necessarily here, but just in general. He increases my salary. I, I, I end up having more money, make more money, when I give more money. Proof is in the pudding, as someone once said. You want to get? Give. And then he goes into the material of the tabernacle. But you know what? I think we're going to have to hold on right there because that takes us into the next section. And uh, we'll continue that next time. We're going to do something now. And some of you have already made out your offering. Maybe God is changing your heart a little bit right now. And you need to change your offering. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Write two checks, five checks, six checks. I don't care. Point is, do what God has purposed in your heart. What he's purposed in your heart. That's what he asked. He asked the people, bring me the things that I have purposed, what man has purposed in their heart. Some of us give, like, every week. Some of us give every other week. Some give once a month. Some give once a year. But it's whatever God has purposed in your heart to give. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, hey, don't come empty-handed. But bring an offering when you, when you fellowship with one another, when you come to get the word of God. Bring an offering to handle the things of God. So let's do that now. You've heard the, you've heard the sermon. Now it's time for us to respond. And let's do so in a way that is cheerful and grateful, but also expectant that God will do something with what we give. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you so much this morning for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you provide every good and perfect gift for us. That they, we are lacking absolutely nothing, even when we think we're lacking. When we're out in the desert and it doesn't seem like we have a temple to go to. Lord, you've already provided all the things that we need. We just need to give them to you. Whether it's our time, our talent, our treasure, we need to give what is required. We need to give as you've purposed in our heart. Nothing less and nothing more. A perfect gift for you. May we do so now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
changes our faith. It makes us believe and walk with him closer and more in tune with him. Cindy was just telling me she prayed for someone who had cancer, right? And now they don't have it. There's an agreement that happened between her and who she prayed for. And that agreement went to the ears of God. And God heard it and saw their faith. And by their faith, that person was made well. I have no, under, I have no idea about the person, whether they had faith or not. That's not the point. The point is two people got together and prayed and believed that God could do it. And he did it. 
Man, talk about having a faith builder. Huh? Now I don't have to worry about my bill for tomorrow because I know if God can heal cancer, he can take care of my bill tomorrow. If I can run 100 miles in 10 seconds, I know I can run a mile in a half a second. Probably doesn't match up. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. You probably know what I'm saying. I'm saying God is the God of big and he's the God of small. And many of you last week responded to the call to come forward and to to lay down your life at the altar, to lay it down. And we have to continue to respond to God's leading that way. Because the only way we're going to grow with him, the only way we're going to be more effective for him, not only in our personal life, but as a church, is that we're responding to the word of God in our life. That will make you effective. And so let's continue to do that. It doesn't matter whether you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian since Moses' time. All right? It doesn't matter. We can all grow. We can all get closer. You know? I love, I love the things that Billy Graham said after he retired because of Alzheimer's and stuff. He, he said, he, said he, 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 he reads the Bible every single day and he gets something fresh and new out of it. And then the, the guy was asking a question. He goes, well, my understanding is that you have memorized the entire Bible. You know every word in it. He says, yes, that's true. I have memorized the entire Bible. But I read it every day, and I find something fresh in it every day. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. He was and is a life long learner. So close to God. And I can imagine even now he's having special meetings with God. I want that. I hope you want that as a church. So I would like to have a special prayer. First of all, for the dads in the room. So if you're a dad, I'd like for you to stand and anybody around you just kind of lay your hand on their back or whatever. If you're close to a dad, okay? Close to dad, yeah. Go ahead and Lay your hand on their shoulder. Okay. Those of you who are not dads, maybe you can go find a dad and put your hand on their shoulder. Amen. Got a couple dads over here. Give me the hand. Okay, got, another, got a dad up there. Got another dad over there. All right. Amen. And I want to ask God's special blessing upon dads because there's a special calling when it comes to that. We're called to be the priest of the home. We're called to be the shepherd of the home. We're called to be the protector of the home. And it's hard. It's hard to be those things, especially now in this world. And I want to ask God's blessing that you will not only continue to be those things, but if you're not, that you would begin to be those things for your family, for those around you, in your work, wherever you are, as a representative of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you so much for these dads who are standing. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you would guide them into all righteousness that your Holy Spirit will fall upon them, Lord, in a way that they would be regenerated, renewed, that they would be strengthened, Father, for the tasks that you have for them as fathers. Lord, I pray that you would bring a connection with their children, an even deeper connection that they've ever had. If they're estranged, that you would bring mending and healing to relationships. Lord, that they would love as you love. They would stand for righteousness as you stand for righteousness. 
they would have compassion as you have compassion and mercy and grace. But also I pray that you would give them wisdom and strength as well. So Lord, may you bless them this day. Watch over them and move them closer to you. Call them to your side so that they may be refreshed by your spirit. Lord, help them to be that priest of the home. As difficult as that might be, give them the words to say, not only to their spouses, but to their children. Lord, make them the shepherd of their home to watch over their flock, to watch over their space and, and, and protect them and feed them and, and take care of them, Lord, to go after the one who runs away and bring them back into the fold. Lord, I pray that you would also help them to be the guard of their home, the one who stands at the gate and doesn't allow evil in. May you protect them, watch over them, and give them all the tools necessary to be that. And I thank you so much for them. Lord, may your blessing be on them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Amen. In a few moments, we'll give you an opportunity to, if you need prayer for something, or maybe this prayer registered in you, and maybe things are happening in your life that you need prayer for, and I would encourage you to come forward as we worship and adore God. Let's truly give him some divine worship this morning. Amen? Amen. Come forward as you feel the need for prayer. Clothed in rainbows 
these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered bended and whole empty-handed but not forsaken i've been set free i've been set free amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and oh i once was lost but now i am found was blind but now i see oh i can see you
Thank you so much for your presence here this morning. In this temple, even though this temple was made by hands, you are making a temple within us that is made by your hand. And may we enjoy you as our architect, the designer, and the builder of that new temple in us. And may we allow your light to shine through us this day and every day. For you are glorious, and you wish to glorify yourself in us. May we not hinder that process, but may we bow our will down to your will, for it's your will that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we want that. We thank you that we now have access to the throne of grace, to the holy of holies, to the mercy seat of God himself. Because of the blood of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. So church, I pray we would walk out of this place rejuvenated, revived, and ready to be Jesus to a world that doesn't know him. I pray God's blessing upon all of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great Father's Day today. Enjoy the day, dads. And I hope your children take care of you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs>